Welcome to the Equine Connection Podcast, where health, nutrition, and love for the horse come together. This podcast is brought to you by Tribute Superior Equine Nutrition. I'm Dr. Chris Mortensen. And I'm Dr. Nicole Rambo. Welcome back, Nicole. How are you? I am doing well, Chris. How are you? Doing good. Doing good. And this is this is a very interesting topic. And for the listeners, please bear with us because you you see EOTRH and you're like, what the heck is that? But it's actually very interesting, I have found, researching this topic. Uh, I haven't particularly run across it, but you have, right? Chris, we rarely do a podcast that I haven't had a horse <laughs> who's had the thing. I, I, don't, know, I, know. I don't know why. Um, yes, I, I do have a, a pretty uh, aged gelding who has this particular issue. And that's exactly who the, the the science that we know so far that's one of the classes that EOTRH uh, there's a higher incidence of and basically it's it's a dental disease that was described recently really i, I mean we say recently it, it was what 15 years ago but in medical terms that's kind of a recent thing even though it's been around longer than that but finally scientists and, and veterinarians were finally able to classify this disease that affects the teeth Can we just kind of start out describing exactly what EOTRH is? Sure. So we'll start with the name and then we'll never say it again because it's really long and we'll use the abbreviation. It's called equine odontoclastic tooth resorption and hypersemintosis. And it's, it's a lot. Essentially what happens is these horses end up with a lot of inflammation on their gums And what you can't visibly see is the bone itself in the root of the tooth actually starts resorbing. So basically you have breakdown of the root of the tooth. So that makes them, it can be very painful. They get loose easily. And then the hypersemintosis part is one of the body's mechanisms to try to stabilize that tooth is to lay down this, um, biological thing that's really close to cement. That's kind of how it came up with its name. So it it basically, you have this additional laying down of bone-like tissue at the root of the tooth in an attempt for the tooth to be stabilized. Because when you have that breakdown, they become loose really easily. That's a really good job describing that because I was having a challenge. Like, how do you describe this? And basically, it's 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 a, it's a disease of the incisors, right? That the front teeth that horses use sometimes the canines and sometimes their molars. That's rare, but it does happen. And I, what do we know? I mean, the research showing what are some of the causes and and what horses does this affect? So when you look at the epidemiology or the populations that this impacts, generally seen in horses 15 and up, uh, more often in geldings. Of course, it can be seen in mares. Occasionally, you see the beginnings of it in horses that are a little bit younger. Generally, you know, when this is diagnosed, we see visually that inflammation along the gum line. There can be little red pits, things like that. You do need to radiograph the horse's mouth to actually have a true diagnosis because you can see that resorption of the root of the tooth on a radiograph. The, you know, research has shown that in some studies, they tend to see it in a lot of thoroughbreds and warm bloods compared to other populations. 
I will say you always take those studies with a little bit of a grain of salt because a lot of times those numbers are driven by what type of horses that particular vet center tends to service. So if you service a lot of that type of horse, those numbers get higher, you know, but it it ultimately can be found in any breed. In terms of the cause, you know, we we don't know today. Um, There's been some different things that have been hypothesized. Uh, One of them is that it's some sort of immunological issue. Interestingly, you do tend to see it concurrently with PPID or Cushing's. Chicken or egg, you know, you have no idea, did the horse already have the issue? Did the impact of Cushing's make the horse more likely to have that issue? We don't know. You know, but one thing we do see in Cushing's horses is a decreased ability to heal. So it may be that, you know, they're more prone to it because of that. Some research has shown there's a little bit different bacterial population living in the mouth of the horse with EOTRH. Again, chicken or egg, did that bacterial population cause the inflammation or did they move in because the tissues are inflamed? Really hard to say. So at the end of the day, we we functionally don't know a specific cause. Um, and ultimately, by the time it's often found, we're pretty far down that path um, where you're really focused on what can we do nutritionally or veterinary intervention to make sure those horses stay comfortable and are able to maintain body condition, et cetera. I I think that's probably what's one of the most frustrating things about this disease for horse owners is reading the literature, reading the reports. It's, you don't identify it till it's, it's really progressed. And I think that that goes back to just regular dental care, right? Like Every year, your horse should be getting a dental exam. Sometimes, you know, maybe twice a year, having the veterinarian or an expert looking at the teeth of the horse to see early signs of this disease. But with that said, what are, I I know you mentioned some of the clinical signs, but just in general, when a horse is having trouble with their teeth, what are some of the signs that you would look for or that you advise owners, okay, well, you've alluded to some of this earlier, but what are just, I guess, some of the general signs? Yes, your horse is having trouble with, with their mouth, with chewing. Sure. And, and of course, that could be EOTRH or other mouth issues, right? You don't know until you look inside the mouth horse's mouth exactly what's going on. Oftentimes, what you're seeing is a loss in body condition that's unexplained by other factors. Their workload hasn't changed. Their management hasn't changed. Their diet hasn't changed. Sometimes you're going to see differences in eating behavior. One thing I want to point out is very rarely when a horse just completely goes off feed out of the blue, very rarely is that caused by their teeth unless something very dramatic and acute has happened and they've, you know, cracked a tooth or an abscess pops up. This type of issue with their mouth is something that you tend to see they start eating more slowly. Maybe they're not consuming as much hay as they used to. Those are the kind of things that you're keying in to rather than a horse just completely stopping consumption of any type of feed. Rarely, rarely is that teeth. From there, you know, the feed falling out of the mouth thing, that that is brought up a lot. If it's a brand new behavior, that might be related to their teeth. Um, you know, you certainly see that in horses who have great mouths, who are just messy and attentive eaters as well. So a big part of it is going to be paying attention to their behavior. 
in terms of that, if they're, you know, horses that are being ridden, you might see some issues in terms of their ability to stay on contact, or they might be fussier than usual when you put on the bridle, things like that. When it comes to the symptoms, you know, visually looking in their mouth, um, early on, I mean, it's going to be some inflammation along their gun line, and they'll actually have like these small red dots along the gums. And over time, the gum line will actually move up, so more of their tooth will be visible. As it continues and you have more of that reabsorption of the root of the tooth, um, you're going to see loose and broken teeth become more prevalent than they were before. Those are things you don't really know until you put a speculum in the horse's mouth and really get in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's why you always, always look at their teeth, always look at their teeth. Now, looking at the treatments, it's, it's pretty drastic, right? Some tooth removal, but I guess if you can describe some of that, what's going on or what you've experienced with your horse, is he at that stage yet or not? Uh, I I know it seems to be effective reading uh, what veterinarians are saying out there, Uh, but also what does that mean for the horse? Like losing incisors, I've dealt with cribbers with basically no incisors. They've, They've chewed them down to nubs, but with tooth removal from a nutrition standpoint, what does that mean for the horse? Sure. So a big part of it depends on what teeth and how many. Um, you know, it's it's ultimately one of those things that you're monitoring the pain level of the horse. Um, you know, so in, in the case of my horse, his incisors are not the prettiest things to look at. He is the, you know, receding <laughs> gums and all of that, but he does still have all of his incisors. He's lost some canines and, and really those are things that have been found on routine dentals. Oh, well, this is loose time to come out type thing. Um, but you know, what ends up happening is when it is time to start removing teeth, honestly, when they have that pain after tooth removal, they tend to do better, but there are some things we need to think about in terms of their diet. So you mentioned like the horse who'd cribbed forever, who has no incisors. Incisors are what we call the prehensile organism of the horse. Uh, So what they do is that's how they grasp their feed. It's a combination of their teeth and their lips. So if you ever actually go out in the pasture and watch a horse graze, what they do is they grab grass with their teeth and they rip it out of the ground. It's why they're so hard on pastures. They tend to use their lips more for sorting things. So if you watch them eat hay, you're like, how did they only leave those certain stalks behind? It's because they use their lips to sort through them. So for the horse, for example, who has had their incisors removed, you know, a lot of times they're still able to eat long stem forage. They can compensate for not having incisors, the very front teeth in their mouth, by using their lips, provided that, for example, if they're out on pasture, the grass is long enough to do so. So the one place you really see horses get into trouble is if they're on pastures that are either really overgrazed or you've mown them very tight um, because there's simply not enough there for them to grasp. The other thing is they don't tend to do well with things like slow feed hay nets because it's really difficult for them to pull the hay out with their lips. So we know that as long as we can keep horses on long stem fiber, it's better from a digestive standpoint. We're going to need to monitor the horse's ability to actually consume that long stem fiber. Horses who occasionally it does impact their molars, it's a little bit different situations. The molars are their grinding surface. So they use their incisors to grab the feed. They use their 
molars to grind it down into smaller particles and then they swallow it. You know, things you run into when you have a lot of molar wear or even molars removed is one, there's just less particle breakdown. So we can see increased incidence of choke. We can also just see a decrease in the digestibility of the feed because that grinding motion makes the particles smaller, which gives more surface area for all that digestion to occur. So in both cases, we may be thinking about providing fiber in a different way than we were before because they're maybe not able to eat hay as effectively, maybe not able to eat hay at all. So in the case of the horse who, you know, is still consuming some sort of long stem forage, okay, I'm still going to think about a complete feed to provide their supplemental calories. So that we've talked about those a lot. It's that feed that's higher in crude fiber, generally 15% or greater, coming from those really digestible sources of fiber our beet pulp, uh, dehydrated alfalfa meal, soy hulls, all great sources of fiber. And the reason I'm doing this is because even though they're eating long stem fiber, I know they're not digesting it as effectively. So that's going to allow me to tailor the calorie portion of their diet to best support their digestive physiology. So I'm thinking about products like Calm and easy, or maybe something that has senior in the name, seniority, senior sport, lots of options there. When we get to that horse who really just can't eat forage at all anymore because we've removed so many teeth, then we're thinking about providing those complete feeds in large quantities. So think about the horse who's eating 20 pounds a day of soaked senior feed or forage replacement. So that could look like a combination of a senior feed and some soaked pellets or soaked cubes. Things like that, because ultimately, you know, what we're looking to do is make sure we're giving them all the calories and nutrients they need, plus the fiber. And that's what those horses at the end stage of this disease end up having an issue with. But I mean, I will say um, Thumper, my best horse, I love him dearly. He's <laughs> perfect companion. Even with his issues, he eats one pound of essential K a day because he's lost some teeth, but he's not to the point where he isn't able to eat hay. He isn't able to maintain his body weight. So this is one of those that we're going to tailor the diet to the specific condition of the horse's mouth um, rather than you might have a horse who with this disease goes many, many years before we really have to get into that more intensively managed nutritional diet that I just described. No, it was good. Yeah. And you're right. Like, you know, how do you, that, cause obviously forage is the base of the diet. So if they can't eat it, you're like, Oh no. And we just, as just as a reminder to the listeners, it was, uh, in December of 2022 on the 15th, we dropped, uh, does my horse need a senior feed? And we do a very good discussion on these complete feeds. What are they? There are, and, and just as a quick reminder, there are companies out there, quote unquote, putting complete feed uh, in there. And I think I think that the takeaway message, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, listening, you talk about that, was make sure they're greater than 15% crude fiber, right? So any feed that's greater than that is generally a decent forage replacer or compliment, right? Ooh, assuming that fiber comes from good quality sources, Chris, this is always the qualifier I put on it. So so we're just going to keep an eye out and avoid things that have rice holes, peanut holes, oat holes as our fiber sources, not digestible, 
but increase the fiber value. But yeah, otherwise there's, there's lots of products that can fill this need. They don't always have senior in the name. Most of the time they will, um, but a lot of flexibility there to tailor those horses needs to, you know, their specific lifestyle. Not all senior feeds are automatically going to be appropriate. That's right. I remember that now. Yep. 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 Okay. Now here's the situation. Horse has a painful mouth, not eating well. Obviously we're going to contact our veterinarian immediately, get them out there, start maybe treatment or looking at this. But what do you suggest for a horse that's having trouble eating? Because they, they have to eat every day. We can't wait a few weeks for everything to feel better. It's like, no, you need to eat every day, right? So what are some strategies you'd recommend to get those horses through either those periods or those painful periods to when they eventually are healed and eating normally? Yeah. So number one thing, we're not just going to flat out assume if the horse completely goes off feed that it's automatically their teeth. Um, but let's let's say that you know we are fully aware this horse has this disease. Their behavior has changed in a way that makes sense. You know, maybe they've started eating more slowly, things like that. Um, you're going to put a call into your vet. You know, they may recommend some pain relief in the meantime, and there's different things they can prescribe based on, you know, your horse's specific scenarios. And then we're going to do things to just make eating a little bit easier. So it's going to be soaking our feed. Um, so we can soak any concentrate the horse is on. Um, doesn't have to be anything specific. Um, the only caveat is don't soak it for more than 30 minutes because you have breakdown of some of your vitamins if you do so. And then I'm probably going to do things to make sure that they're able to easily consume the fiber they have. Whether that's soaking some sort of fiber replacement like pellets or cubes. Or if let's say you're in a boarding situation, that's not an option. Let's let's get rid of the hay nets, use a really soft hay, make sure they're not out on an overgrazed pasture, kind of any of those things that we can do to make it as easy as possible um, until the vet is able to get in there, extract a tooth or whatever it is they need to do. Now that's sage advice as always. Uh, any other tips though with you know that you can think of uh, from a nutrition standpoint when it just comes to dental issues or mouth issues that um, that you haven't said yet? No, I think I have pretty well covered it, Chris. Um, other than to say, <laughs> you know, horses should be looked at at least once a year um, so that you're able to stay on top of these things. Uh, not every time will they maybe need something done, but just having that annual checkup does a really, really good job of keeping ahead of these things so they're not a surprise down the line. No, yep, yep. All great advice. And and again, if you are dealing with this and you're having trouble coming up with how do I feed my horse because I want to make sure I can get him through that transition period or the refusing feed and it's a dental issue or any anything like that and you need some nutrition advice, don't forget you can always contact our team for free. It's a free consultation to work through a feeding plan for your horse. Uh, Go check out the website, tributeequinenutrition.com. The, the articles that complement this podcast is there, and there's, there's the link to where you can contact the Tribute team for advice to help you. And, and thank you so much for the comments on Facebook and Instagram. Please keep them coming. And if there's any topic you want us to cover, please either contact us through the link on the website or leave it on social media. And we can add it to our list. But thank you so much, Nicole. It's it was 
honestly, when I saw this topic come up, I was like, okay, what is this? And the more research I did, I was, it was really fascinating. And, and thankfully there's treatment and, and these horses go on to live healthy lives. But yeah, thank you so much for the advice today. Yeah. Happy to help. I can't guarantee I will have a horse who've had any of the other topics that you've experienced personally. <laughs> um, but you know, we're, we're always happy to help discuss whatever you guys want to. So please send those requests our way. Yeah. Take care. Thanks.